Hey, do you like weird movies? You do? Have you heard of Vinegar Syndrome? Find them online at www.vinegarsyndrome.com. Vinegar Syndrome is one of the leading exploitation and grindhouse preservation and distribution companies in the world. They've got a simple three-step process that I call the three R's. Recover, restore, and release. Vinegar Syndrome has an amazingly large film archive consisting of thousands of 35 and 16 millimeter negatives and prints and are actively finding films that are underappreciated, undervalued, and underseen. So many of their releases have never seen the light of day since VHS, and they're restoring them to all their glory. Some of these films do not have the right to look as good as they do, but they do. I'm looking at you, corpse grinders. Vinegar Syndrome has their own method of restoration where their goal is to recreate the theatrical experience as best as they can. With their own in-house lab, they scan, color grade, and restore each title personally. You'll never see any grain reduction and digital trickery on their discs. Vinegar Syndrome is a very exciting label, and we're proud to have them as a sponsor. They've been with us since the beginning, and we love them for it. Check out their website today and pick up your copies of Rudy Ray Moore's Dolomite films, just in time for the new Netflix movie Dolomite Is My Name, starring Eddie Murphy. Also available is Hell Comes to Frogtown, starring Rowdy Rowdy Piper, James Hong's The Vineyard, Pledge Night, Lust in the Dust, starring Divine, Putney Swope, The Amityville Cursed Collection, and much, much more. Also, don't forget to pre-order your copy of Tammy and the T-Rex in glorious 4K Ultra High Definition, or Blu-ray, and The Angel Collection. Once again, be sure to visit them at www.vinegarsyndrome.com and grab yourself something cool. Let them know your good friend Michael sent you. Because I was so excited that I figured the gold was was coming. Just right in the microphone. <laughs> it's been a long time since we've we sat down to record. It has. It has. Far like, too long. Yeah, because like it was before we poured it over to Cinepunks. And, right. you know, since I don't know what of this is going to stay and everything. So for those of you listening, this is the first episode of the Shameless Picture Show with me and Nick. Yes. <laughs> on, on our new Cinepunks network. Uh, so if um, ah, I'll get to like inter- introductions of that later, um, you know, Cinepunks, I want to catch up with you first. How are you? Yes, doing, I am the top priority. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> In like Me? a week, I'll be there with you. Right? You will be literally one week from... T- well, I don't know when you're getting in. Well, but... we're, we're leaving Thursday. Okay. So, in like six days, you're going to be sleeping on this couch that pulls out into like a super comfy bed. Sweet. And this yeah, it... we painted, too. It's oh. black now. Hey, that's just like our living room. Did I show you that? Yeah, I think you might have sent me pictures now that you say that. When you were painting. Black is the new black. Right? <laughs> so it's it's classically classic. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's uh we're leaving th- uh we're leaving Thursday morning. Cause I think it's like a fifteen hour drive. <laughs> okay. Um and it's still cheaper than flying. Right. Um not by mo- well, originally it wasn't by much, but now the gas prices have gone down. It's, right. That helps a lot. Yeah. Uh but we're leaving Thursday morning. Uh, we're planning just to drive through. We're not going to stop at a hotel or anything because we're trying to do this as cheap as possible. Yeah. Uh, so our hope is to be there some point on Friday. Cool. Um, or sorry, some point on Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. I was... <laughs> um, unless we got really lost, but we're gonna we're, we're planning to leave at like five a.m. So most of it's only like three highways, so it's pretty hard to get lost. Yeah. Uh, and then like we're gonna stop for, like use the restroom and stuff. And there's really only one stop that I plan to make that's not like restroom breaks or gas or something. Uh, on, on my way to Maryland, um, I don't know if you remember, but um, I w- at one point on the show I reviewed a movie called Pizza a Love Story. Doesn't uh, sound familiar to well, me. Well, anyways, it's it's a movie. It's about uh, that the, the this filmmaker named Gorman Bouchard had made. Um, some some of our listeners who are into Vinegar Syndrome will know him best for directing the movie Cycles in Love. Okay, uh, I remember ma- you doing that one. He makes he makes documentaries now. 
Okay. And he lives in New Haven, Connecticut, and he made a movie about uh, New Haven-style pizza. Yeah, yep. Um, Mystic and, pizza. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, there is uh, one of the one of the like iconic places of New Haven-style pizza. It's a place called Frank Pepe's, and one opened up in Maryland. Oh, cool. And it's <laughs> on our way. It's in Bethesda. Okay, yeah, yep. So it's like... Amanda, I don't know when we're gonna go to New Haven, so this is kind of like our closest bet. We gotta <laughs> stop, and even if, even if it's just a small pie, I gotta stop and get some some awesome. of that pizza. Cool. <laughs> and then it's straight on, you know, first second star on the right, straight on till morning until we get to you. <laughs> I am so fucking excited. I am too. Like I know you're gonna be busy because you got. It's weird calling it a wedding because it's really not, but it it's, kind of is. It's a reception. A reception. Like, it's, I'm sure you guys got a whole lot to do, and we don't have a whole lot of time, so we won't, like, you know. I, we I won't know get you... to hang out the way that we both desperately want to. But we will be living at your house for a couple days. Yes. Uh, we will be around, and I'm sure we'll go get dinner or something. Yeah. yeah. And you'll show us around a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Originally, I, think... I was like, when I was talking to Amanda, I was like, I got all these things I want to do. And she's like, you got to remember, he's going to be busy. I'm like, I know. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was like well maybe we could at least play a board game yeah yeah i think after the brunch on saturday i think most people with maybe the exception of my mom and sister are gonna clear out for the most part um, i could be wrong but that's my gut on it um so sat depending on when you're heading out um, we could get some good uh, Saturday afternoon, evening uh, time in. Yeah, and then our plan is to leave on Sunday. Okay. Great. So that's two days and then some change. Yep. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. Awesome. Yeah. Whatever it is, it will be such a blessing. <laughs> uh, the other thing that, um, since we're doing little shout outs to, to fan comments, um, it really warmed my heart when we posted about my 40th birthday and somebody commented about how much they liked my voice. That made me very happy and it made me my birthday extra <laughs> special. So to whoever that was, thank you very much. I, yeah. It made me smile. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I'm just so giddy because for a couple of reasons. One, it's Friday and I get to talk to you and that's always <laughs> great. We're talking about, um, well... We're gonna break kayfabe a little bit here for all you wrestling fans. We're record. We're not doing. Uh, you know, we're re recording two episodes at one time. Um, <laughs> Though um, we'll see how much I. I realized after we agreed to this that I did not take notes on one of the two movies. Which the which one, one that I really needed to take notes on. <laughs> does it begin with a V? It does. <laughs> well, good thing I just finished it last night. So okay, so we'll talk. We'll, we'll talk about that one first. <laughs> cool. Cool. Uh, and also, since I didn't know if we were going to go live with this or not, I, I wrote up a, and I didn't know which film we were planning on talking about. I just in the description for this, which we don't have to go live because this this is for us. Yes. Uh, I, but I wrote it just in case, and it says uh, which movie are we going to talk about. Tune in and find. Out. <laughs> I wasn't even committed to it. Um, um, we'll surprise even ourselves. But not only do I get to hang out with you, we're going to talk about two movies. After this, I'm going to Target as long as we finish before. 10 p.m. my time which i don't think will be a problem i think um, we didn't handle that <laughs> um and then uh and then next week i only got, i got a short week i'm only there for three days yay yay and i get to come hang out with you yes. great. Uh, next week is going to have everything <laughs> yeah yeah uh i don't know it's it's weird it's like i feel like i haven't talked in a long time because like i said it has been a while it's been a couple months like yeah. we've texted but we haven't like sat down to do the show in a couple months right because it just took me a long time to get the uh, 130 episodes is a lot to port over fuck yeah that is <laughs> which um, is when when we signed up for them and we were in those initial talks that was kind of the well usually when people join our network they just have a little handful of episodes yeah or they're like or they decide to start over so yeah. i was like no, no i'm proud of our content back. We yeah. we have a great back catalog, and we are bringing it all with us, baby. <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, it took a lot of time, but we got there. Um, and it's funny. Like I feel, I feel like we haven't talked in so long, and I feel like there's so much to catch up on. But like just pure excitement, I'm drawing blanks. <laughs> Same. This is, I guess, only one episode is going to have a preamble. The other one, you're just going to go straight into the episode. Just. Um. So, like I said, I'm going to bury the weed. We, I didn't. You know, we're we're recording two episodes at one time. 
And this is going to be a fun episode for all of you new listeners. So once again, you know, we just joined the Cinepunks Network. So if you've been following along with us, thanks a lot. Welcome hey. to our new home. This is great. It's, Cine- we just moved in. Uh, we still, you know, there's still some furniture we needed yet, some rooms that we have to paint, but we're very excited we're, about it. We're very excited. But if, So if you've been following along with us, thanks for following us. It, it, should, it should have been a smooth transition because nothing changed for yeah, you. The, really, the only seeming difference is this little gap that we've had this season that we typically so don't. Like, we'll miss an episode but. yeah or like when plein air is going on we might, we might yeah. miss a couple but like this is gonna be a short season we normally yes. average about 18 to 25 episodes depending yeah um maybe a little less now that we've started doing only two a month but regardless um but uh uh so it's gonna be a short season but for all those of you who have discovered us because of us showing up on the cinepunks website welcome welcome um we're glad to have you grab a yeah yeah like so how you know in case you're not familiar the shameless picture show we we base this show around the simple fact that you know all movie fans have a list of shame a shame list things that they haven't seen and it's our goal to work through it and Uh, be and be more forthcoming in the films that we haven't seen and we also are here to spread positivity Yes, and because yeah, well, you know, there's going to be times we don't like a movie, but we 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 challenge each other. It's the old rule of critiquing: find three things you liked about it. And for the most part, we're really positive, unless we're talking about the Last Picture Show. Other than that, <laughs> I did find I'm pretty sure at least three things that I did like about it. <laughs> but uh, but this is going to be a weird episode because normally I come in pretty prepared i've done some I, i've done some reading i usually i, I have a, an extensive introduction that i've written i didn't do that this week <laughs> at and least, at I least didn't... one of us has seen the film recently yeah, yeah. and oh you didn't rewatch it <laughs> no i didn't have a chance oh, to rewatch any good of god um and so normally i have an extensive introduction i don't have that so we're just gonna wing it so this is gonna be a weird first episode for y'all you know what it's i think it's spiritually like right because while you did still have intros in our beginning like when we first started the show the beginning of season one we were still training wheels were still on neither of us were really had done a lot of excuse me hosting of these Mm -hmm. kind of things before hearing our ourselves in recordings when we were editing all of that so we're just trying to give this like I, I don't want to say reboot, but relaunch on the new network. The same feeling. No, we just didn't. We're yeah, we just, just didn't still scrambling. <laughs> and, and, you know, if you go back and listen to the episode, you'll, you'll notice things have changed. We've we've started segments that have disappeared, and um, early on, you know, we'd start with the theme music and then go into a long preamble and then start the show. And now we're just starting for preamble and then going to the music. And who knows? That might change again. I don't know. We we make no promises on consistency. No um and then on top of that um so like i said since been on cinepunks network so we have like i said we have like 130 episodes in our back catalog but since joining the cinepunks network uh this is your first time to listen to nick um unless you've listened to previous episodes um we always recommend you go back and listen to our episode called daddy issues where we talk about more in depth about who we are and our relationship with movies um but i also did want to promote our patreon um, because we, me and my beautiful and talented wife, Amanda, just started a new show on Patreon. <gasps> cool. And we gave the first episode away for free. <laughs> it is called Cage is the Rage, where Amanda, my wife, and I decided we we're going to watch through every Nicolas Cage film in chronological order. <laughs> <laughs> and I give no promises how long they're going to be or how many we're going to... Pretty much the rule is, every month. We know we have to watch at least one Nicolas Cage film. If we watch one, we can talk about it, awesome. If we watch three, awesome. Um, so <laughs> All the, fir- the more Cage. Yeah, so the first episode of Cage of the Rage, we talked about uh, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which he is technically in, even though he doesn't have any lines, um, and Valley Girl. Nice. First, two- And one could argue, so he did a television pilot with Crispin Glover before that that was never aired, which you can find on YouTube. That will pop up in a future episode. We just forgot to get to it. And then technically, technically, if you have Letterboxd and sort by Nicolas Cage's filmography, 
from earliest to newest. He technically has a a, a credited role in the movie Brubaker with um um. Well, I can't think of his name. He kind of looks like Brad Pitt. He was in uh, The River Runs Through It. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Rusty. Nope. <laughs> no. Anyways, I can't think of it. But he, he was technically he was technically in Brubaker, but that doesn't show up in his IMDb credit, so I don't count it. <laughs> ah. So first episode of the Cage of the Rage is on um, your pod- favorite podcast apps of choice. I might even give you the second episode so you can give us a t- give it a taste. But then from there, it will be a Patreon exclusive. But uh, Robert Redford. Robert Redford. That's it. He he kind of looks like Brad Pitt. Yeah. Yep. When they were in that uh, spy movie together, it was very obvious how much they looked alike. Yeah. So you know the spy. Yeah, movie. the spy movie. Um. So before we we flounder ourselves through these movies, Nick, <laughs> was there anything else you wanted to talk about? You wanted to catch up on. You wanted to. T- you wanted to. I have so many things. So many things. Um, but like you, I think I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, it's not the best. All right, I guess um, I will just, you know, attempt to get through this. So let me ask you this before I start, Nick. Okay. So there's two ways I could do this. I can, um, I guess, uh, do, try to do my introduction and try to describe the movie the best I can. Or I can steal a synopsis from allmovies.com. I would love to hear you just wing it and see okay. where it goes. Okay, fine. <laughs> fine, fine. fine. Okay. I, I guess we'll do it that way then. Sip of Coke of coffee for the working man. I have uh, a bad blue Hawaiian. I was wondering what you're drinking. I was like, it's so blue. Um, typically, like, I, I have never once been satisfied with the, like, pre-mixed, uh, cocktails in strange containers. This is the one that's closest to tolerable. Um, I might even have a second glass of it, but, um, uh, Closest to tolerable. Clo- that's, oh. that should be on their marketing. <laughs> Malibu's Blue Hawaiian Bad Cocktails. Close to tolerable. Says Nick Richard from the Shameless Picture Show. We should send them that clip and see if they want to sponsor us based on that yeah. uh, testimonial. Warning! This movie podcast actually discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements. Endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation, The Shameless Picture Show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Shameless Picture Show. I am Michael Byers, and with me, as always, is a person that I did not come up with a fun nickname for this week. Nick Richards. Alrighty, so I almost was going to go into explaining who we are and what we're doing, but I kind of did that in our preamble, um, and I'm floundering here. So we are who we are. Don't we are worry who we about are. It. Uh, so this week, uh, me and Nick will be discussing a movie that, at the time, was on both of our shameless. I'll explain <laughs> what I mean by that in a second. Uh, we are talking about Alfred Hitchcock's film from 1958. We are talking about Vertigo. Uh, I believe this was on your shameless, right, Nick? It was. Uh, wait a minute. No, it was not. Okay, well, then it was on my shameless. Though I saw it a very long time ago, so it was one of those, like, even though I've technically seen it, I think watching it count. recently, I, I remembered very little of it. I remembered I, the Redwoods, yeah. and that's about it. I think those count. Um, I have technically, since we originally came out with this episode, have seen this movie twice now. So it's not, I don't know if it still counts as a shameless item, but it was a shameless item when the episode was conceived. I, I think it's a spiritual shameless check off. Yeah. Absolutely. Alrighty. So as I said, I'm going to do my best to try to describe this. I am going to cheat a little bit. I have the Wikipedia article pulled up mostly <laughs> just so I can have character names in front yeah. of me because I'm and character names. because I'm really bad at that. So, today we are discussing Vertigo. Uh, Vertigo is considered by many 
to be one of the greatest films of all time. I think it even um, uh, I think it was even voted the greatest film ever made by Sight and Sound magazine back in 2012. It replaced Citizen Kane. I stole that from the Wikipedia page (laughs) and it tells the story of a, I guess, detective detective by the name of John Scotty Ferguson. Have no idea where he got the name Scotty. Um, at the beginning of this film, he is uh, chasing down a perp, him and a, a police officer, and one of the police, the other police officer, falls to his death, and Scotty was not able to help him, and he develops this fear of heights. He develops this this sense of vertigo, um, and he's decided that he's going to retire from the force because he doesn't think that he can that he believes this vertigo is going to set him back. Uh, so he's getting ready to, to live a quiet life. Um, but at that time, a, a former college acquaintance named Gavin Elster calls him and asks him to follow his wife. He asks him to do that because even though he knows it's a strange request, he, he believes his wife is is acting very out of her normal self and that her mental state is in question because she believes his wife, um, uh, Madeline, believes that she is the uh, she is being possessed by this woman named Carlotta Valdez. And he just wants Scotty to follow her around and kind of figure out what's going on and to see if there's something else going on. So Scotty follows her around, um, follows her to all these unique locations, like her going to a art museum and looking at this picture called The Portrait of Carlotta and going to the grave of Carlotta Valdez and going to a hotel, which he finds out later on was the home of Carlotta Valdez. Um, and he feel, he realizes this is all really strange. Well, we find out that Carlotta Valdez committed suicide. And when Scotty is following her, following Madeline around, uh, they wind up at the Golden Gate Bridge and Madeline jumps into the water. Splash. Scotty, panicked, jumps in to save her. Uh, brings her back to his, to his, to his home to, to kind of rest her up and everything. And from there, they start to develop a a romance. But he still was worried that this woman might be, you know, might be crazy. Or maybe she is getting possessed by the ghost of Carlotta Valdez. And um, so should I continue on and describe the entire movie or should no, we let I've, that come out? I, I think we're good there. All the right, rest so, are, would be spoilers. Yeah, at, at this point... Um, I haven't even scratched the surface of this movie, but so let me, uh, I'm, once again, I'm on Wikipedia. I'm cheating a lot in this. Oh, um, well, we gotta, gotta tick off the trailer. Well, so, I was going to give a little bit of background. Oh, you got a little more first. This. Okay. Yeah. So this film, while at the time, from what I've read has not, was not very well received. It went on to become a very important film. Um, uh, I feel like even like big French magazines, um, uh, like the Kahiyadu Cinema gave it a poor review. Orson Welles didn't like the film, but people were responding to it. And over time, it, it got reevaluated as things happened too. And the film went on to um, like tops a multiple lists of being considered one of the greatest films of all time. And it stars uh, James Stewart as our lead character, John Scotty Ferguson. Kim Novak as Madeline Elster. Uh, Tom Helmore is Gavin Elster, and then we have my, probably my favorite fucking character in this movie, Barbara Bell Geddes as Midge, uh, <laughs> Scotty's former fiance, best friend character. This movie needed a lot more of her, so let's roll the trailer. I want you to follow my wife. I'm afraid some harm may come to her. I'm supposed to be retired. I don't want to get mixed up in this darn thing. I have acrophobia, which gives me vertigo, and I get dizzy. Do you believe that someone out of the past, someone dead, can enter and take possession of a living being? Carlotta Valdez was what? Your wife's grandmother? Great-grandmother. explains it. Anyone could become obsessed with the past. Has this ever happened to you before? 
Listen, what is this? What do you want? I just want to know who you are. Does that remind you of her? One final thing I have to do, then I'll be free of the past. Is there a Jimmy Stewart movie where he doesn't jump into a river? Uh, did he jump in the river in um, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington? Oh, well, only if you consider Congress a, a river of chaos and death. But aside from that, no, that you, you got me there. Where do we begin with this film? Actually... Where do you want to begin with this one? Normally we ask what each other thought. Um, so do you want me to answer? or I'll, I'll throw it to you first. What did you think of Vertigo? Especially with like the high standard of this being such a highly, you know, pot, potentially considered one of the best films of all time. So what did I'm, you think? I'm in this weird realm. Where the first time I watched it, so I, I, I rated the film high the first time I watched it. Even though... I don't I couldn't 100% verbalize how I felt. And the reason being, as I was watching it, it was like there, there was no way denying that this is not an extremely well-made film. And there were so many aspects to it that I loved, but I was really on the fence about how I felt about this film. Um, upon rewatch, I could now acknowledge that this is a great film. I don't know if I personally yet feel like it's one of the greatest of all. Okay, I should say I could definitely see that it's if we were to make a list of the top 100 greatest films of all time, I think this movie very easily has a spot somewhere on there. Um, but for me, I, I was I it, the movie grew on me each time I watched it. I liked it more and more, and I can definitely see my opinion of it growing. Um, but I will also say it wasn't the movie I was expecting. And even upon rewatch, I'm like, what is this movie? And not necessarily in a bad way. It's just, it's, it has twists and turns that you don't expect to come. You don't expect coming. Um, and like, I was thinking just the little bit I knew about this film. I really thought it was going to be a far more linear film and that, you know, this was going to be like something like the birds, but instead of it being birds, he's just scared of being up high. I, I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> right. Um, and then it's also crazy. Like how really unlikable Jimmy Stewart is in this movie. Sure. And like, it's a movie that's, it's, it's, um, I don't know. I just I feel like there's there's a lot of themes going on with this film that I'm still grasping to put together. Um, but for me, it's like it's a movie about obsession. In yeah. some way, it's a movie about a lot of things. There's not one. Sure. Just, uh, but it's a movie about but, obsession. But there is a theme there. Yeah, it's it's a movie about you know the male gaze. It's a movie about. Um, um, I don't know. There's a, there's a, I'm still working through it all. So um, I think we had a similar reaction to it, and I I, I was interested hearing your. I should I, really quick. I should also say I did like the movie. I okay. just don't. It's a movie that I I'm fascinated by it, and I want to return to it because I want to figure this movie out. Yeah. So it's like it's a movie that I felt kind of like at arm's length about but in a way that it keeps inviting me in if that makes sense where it's like it, if you're, i'm sure you've seen movies work i don't know if i like that but i want to watch it again like you want to understand it you, you want to figure out whether or not you like it or not because yes. you're not sure yet <laughs> yeah i think i do i just don't know to what degree i uh, so i already kind of gave this disclaimer before but it has been like four or five months since i watched this last so um I am kind of trying to like pull in my, you know, I'm in my forties now and trying to recall information isn't quite Come as on, easy old as man. it used to. Um, but I, I, the way that you described your reaction sounds very familiar to me 
I technically rewatching it though again. I I didn't really remember it much from the first time through. I I probably would not put it in a top hundred best films of all time. Though I would put a little asterisk next to that in that I think there is a lot of very interesting things going on in this film. And and I guess I should also specify, I'm not saying it would necessarily make my top 100, but I just think in the oeuvre of of, of cinema and cinematic language and just watching this film and seeing all the filmmakers that I love who are clearly inspired by this film. And it just, on a technical level, I just was, my mouth was a gap at a lot of this movie just because it's just a stunning film. So that's what I mean. It's not necessarily on my personal top. Sure. Sure. And that like, it's hard to watch a film that's made in the fifties and fully appreciate what the film was in that time. Mm-hmm. You know, we can never go back to when that film was released and watch it in that context. We only have the option to watch it in our current context, you know, our current world. Um, so it's hard to appreciate sometimes how groundbreaking something, a piece of art may have been. You can study it. Mm-hmm. You can try to imagine, um, but you'll never fully be able to understand how what impact a film had now as you described this one pardon me as you described this one uh was not super well uh reviewed back Mm -hmm. then um my gut is that as you said not the best made film there are issues but it feels like hitchcock was playing a lot Yes. With it, making this film. He's trying things. Yes. And, um, and and in doing so, I think he accomplished some things that he hadn't before, which is probably why it served as inspiration to his predecessors. But whenever you are experimenting, whenever you're trying new things, you're not able to rely on the on the rules, on the patterns, like you're, you're taking your safety belts off and experimentation is not going to ever yield as highly polished of a product as you are if you are obeying the rules that have been set by your predecessors, mm-hmm. right? So is this a great film? I would not consider it a great film. Does it have something to contribute to the development of cinema? Absolutely. Yeah, because like it's it, and you are hundred percent right. Like, granted, we can't go into Hitchcock's mind and figure out what he was thinking, but he was playing and he was experimenting. And it's like the more I learn about him as a filmmaker, and like just like even realize like he did kind of the same thing with Psycho. He was doing something very different than what he had done uh, previously. But it's like there's a lot of experimentation and it just it feels in its way like a love letter to like art house cinema because there's things that like that stick with me like there's this like um, like the use of color in this movie is, yep. is phenomenal greens like, especially like the greens in this film hit and then like that... oh there's a scene that I, I didn't really think anything of but like the second time watching it just really stuck with me um is so the scene um spoiler (laughs) um we find out that the character of um madeline is really another woman by the name of judy barton we can explain the plot of this film in a minute but there's that scene near the end where he's finally gotten judy to resemble madeline 100 percent and she comes in and they kiss each other and the camera spins around them. And it, it, as it spins, it takes them, it takes, um, Scotty back to the stables where he first kissed Madeline and then keeps spinning. It takes him back to the apartment. And I was like, that's such a interesting way to explain what's happening without words that, that kid, this kiss with a person he thinks is a complete, is a stranger brought uh 
made him think of Madeline. Not realizing that it was her. Right. But it's like that seat, like it said, it, it, it was just, I, it kind of blew me away. That's, it's weird. Like it's this movie at times where it's like, I don't know what I'm watching still managed <laughs> to blow me away. And that's a weird feeling. Yeah. I think there are some incredible moments in this yeah. film. It's like surrealistic and, and weird, but I don't know. And it's combined with, I, in what I would consider some real flaws in the cohesiveness of the narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, so it feels disjointed, but yet you still have those super powerful moments that are made more impactful by, again, Hitchcock's experimentation in the film that I think succeeded. Um, but there's some... It, when... So, so at its heart, I, I would say this is a, a, like a mystery film. It, it has some noir yeah. vibes to it. Not, yeah. not stylistically, but narratively feels kind of noir. Yeah. Um, and it, I think those types of stories are best when especially with the mysteries and the reveals and the who done it kind of even though this is you know there is murder but it's not really a who done it but those types of stories are most effective when each character's motivations are really really tight mm-hmm. and my biggest issue with the film is i do not think that all of the characters motive like the reasons why they're doing the things that they're doing. I think sometimes it tips into serving the twist ending Mm -hmm. more than serving the motivation of the character at times. And that's when I get pulled out of it. So for me, it's, it's and 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 hear me out when I say this, I almost feel like to the film's detriment, the worst thing this film did was explain itself. (laughs) <laughs> which is very Hitchcock like that is a trait of Hitchcock yes. that not everyone agrees with. So from so watching this movie and it, it reminded me but not exactly of when we watched Apocalypse Now. Okay. Where Apocalypse Now, while I truly do believe that movie is a masterpiece, I was left afterwards being like what did I just watch? Yeah, yeah. And though I had a lot clearer idea of how I felt about Apocalypse Now after watching it, than I did um, Vertigo. And it's interesting that it's two filmmakers kind of experimenting with form. But the reason why I think Apocalypse Now works better is, once again, it didn't necessarily feel the need to always explain itself. Like, um, the things that are going to stick to me, stick with me about Vertigo are, you know, its use of light and its use of color, the, the romantic obsession of Scotty, that kind of heartbreaking ending, even though yeah. it's heartbreaking for not necessarily because she killed herself like that is the heartbreaking aspect of it but it's also like the one time that his his vertigo doesn't get in the way you know his vertigo is the reason his partner died his vertigo is the reason that he believed madeline died and then his lack of vertigo is the reason that she died it's like it's, <laughs> it's almost like um like ha gotcha um but i uh, you talking made me just really realize that this movie that's what hurts this film very much like the ending of psycho psycho would have been an even better movie had norman not explained himself Mm -hmm. we didn't necessarily like there's times where and i get why hitchcock is doing it hitchcock is holding the hands of american audiences and i i think that's like i fundamentally disagree with his philosophy i'm not saying that his philosophy is wrong per se, but that is something that has always bothered me about Hitchcock's films because I would rather walk away, especially from something that is a mystery. You need resolution, which I would also argue this film lacks some, some resolution. Yeah. Um, but I want to walk away from a mystery figuring it out for myself. Yes. So like the simple things like the first time, you know, Scotty meets Judy and Scotty leaves and he's like, well, I'm going to come back tonight for dinner. And then we, 
we get like a flashback to what really happened to Madeline. So for those of you who may not have watched the movie for whatever reason and decided to listen to this first, we find <laughs> out the woman that Scotty felt like he was falling in love with his best, his friend's wife, Madeline. What we find out later on is that Madeline was actually a lookalike name by the name <clears throat> of Judy that was hired by Madeline's real husband to essentially make scotty think madeline was crazy so that way this guy could actually kill his wife and threw his <laughs> real wife out of building um as one I, does <laughs> yeah it's hard to explain i feel like the film does a decent job of explaining it. it's just it's hard to explain to someone that that twist but um you know so we see what happens to to madeline the real madeline and then we go back to their relationship. Um, and um, we, as an audience, know what's going on. And I know why Hitchcock did that. Hitchcock has always believed, you know, it, it, in his mind, he's doing it for t- to build tension. That if the entire time we know that Judy is actually Madeline, when is this going to blow up? You know, and I and I get why he thought that was necessary, but I think it would have been more impactful if they would have saved that reveal to when Scotty figures it out. Because hell, it would have made that moment that 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 moment where they kiss for the first time and it takes him back to the first time he kissed Madeline. It would have made that more impactful. Yeah. Well, um, it it builds a empathy with the character when when you're experiencing that sensation of the of the realization at the same time that the protagonist is mm-hmm. then it builds a connection between you and the protagonist when you have that when you're told it before the protagonist gets it then it's like a note it's like oh okay that happened great and then yeah. you're watching to figure it out but you're not connecting with the character yes and and like granted i feel like this movie would have made less sense but i think it made it would have helped it like one of the things that always kind of bugged me with some of Hitch- some of hitchcock's films um is there's always a scene of, of like overdone um exposition yeah and finding out like why all this happened and that his his college friend was trying to murder his wife and all this other stuff and it's like well if you, like i just i don't want that Granted, it would have made the movie even more confusing, but like like you said, th- this this character who's trying to kill his wife doesn't really have a motive anyways. Right. Yeah. Um, the only one with a clear motive is the old college buddy because he wants to kill his wife. Though, the way he went about it is, you know, of all of the options he could have come up with, this is the most convoluted. And I, you can make the argument that he felt it was the most likely to get him... Like for him to not see consequences for his actions, his is the closest to like motive, solid motive that I feel. All of the other characters, like there's an attempt at building it, and it succeeds to various degrees. Yeah, but like, it's the, each we, one has issues. Yeah, we don't know why Judy agrees to this. I assume she was paid, but she couldn't have been paid that well if she was still <laughs> living in that shitty apartment. Right. Um. Right. Um. I don't know if I necessarily believe that Scotty loved Madeline. I actually I know he didn't. He right. Li- yeah. He 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 loved the idea of her and made there, so much m- obsession. You could you yeah. could make the argument that he was obsessed with as a detective the the mystery of it all and then became infatuated and obsessed with the with the woman, but I don't think that they necessarily sh- showed his obsession satisfactor satisfactorily satisfactorily yeah. enough to justify what he does as a result of it yeah like i almost feel like not to say this movie needs to be longer or anything <laughs> uh, but i feel like they could have cut some stuff off the they could have i don't know i just i guess i because i can believe the idea that a person who is hired to follow someone and get to know their life could easily become obsessed with someone. Sure. sure. And like you said, I just don't feel like it was necessarily shown in the right way. And I almost, I almost feel like, like I almost feel like Madeline slash Judy 
her falling in love with Scotty makes more sense because he theoretically saved her life, even though it was planted. But yeah. like, yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm a mix of feelings. Like, there's so much stuff that I really gravitated towards in this movie, but then there's other stuff that like, man, it, ta- it takes some time to get to the stuff that I really like. And I would say that probably, again, as a result of Hitchcock kind of going experimental with his storytelling. Which, don't get me wrong, I like the experimentalness. Yes, yeah. I loved it. Um, But maybe there were too many toys in the sandbox as a result of it, you know, where you're, you're not really quite sure what's trying to be communicated at any given time. There's so much in the way of theme and and technique and things that and there are fewer clear paths for you to journey along very much like apocalypse now this is a studio funded 2.5 million dollar art film right yeah which i love that they got made don't get right yep like I, i love that this exists and i can also see like People who who do say like, "Hey, this is this is like one of the most influential film for me." It's you know, I it's great. I I can see it. Well, I, yeah, it. There's a difference between a one like, of the top ten most influential films mm-hmm. and the top ten best made films and the top ten. But you know, th- I think you're right that it is extremely influential. That does not necessarily make it a great film. Mm-hmm. Or a well-told film, or you know, any number of different and, and ways you could break that down. Fuck, rewatching it, like my heart breaks for the character of Midge. Like <laughs> I really hoped she would have gotten something out of this film. But if anything, if you think about it, it's probably even worse for her because you know, if you think about what might have happened after the credits, Scotty clearly is probably gonna lose his fucking mind and yeah she, she's gonna watch it happen i the best storyline for midge is that she fucking moves on and goes and finds somebody who loves her the way that she deserves that's the that's how i'm gonna play out the post-credit midge story yeah and because like girl get somebody better for you <laughs> yeah stop wasting your time on 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 this doofus <laughs> since when do you go around slipping notes under men's doors since i stopped being able to get them on the phone for a man who has nothing to do you're certainly a busy little bee where do you go these days mm, just wandering where roundabout oh what was this um what was this desperate urge to see me? All I said in my note was, where are you? Doesn't sound very desperate to me. Uh, I detected a little undercurrent. Well, I just thought that if I gave you a drink and fed you some dinner, you'd be so grateful you'd take me to a movie. Well, that's fair enough. What do we talk about at dinner? Oh, this and that. What I've been doing? Well, if you want to. Actually, we won't talk about anything you don't want to talk about. Naturally. What have you been doing? Wandering. I, I feel like I keep flip-flopping. Sometimes I'm like, man, I don't... I guess it was, it was a good movie. Other times I'm like, man, I think I loved this movie. But other times I'm like, no, I don't think I did. I just love things about it. And I'm obsessed with this movie. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> This movie, Kim film, Novak, I, <laughs> this movie is my Kim Novak, though. This movie is my Kim Novak, though. I I still think Midge is the better character. Yeah. Midge is definitely the the wife material in this movie. Yeah. Well, and I have a personal. It, it, that's not to say that it shouldn't be a character, but whenever I see a character like Midge, mm-hmm. who is so great and is pining over somebody so obsessively which would get like she seems to be as obsessed with jimmy stewart's character as jimmy stewart is with the the actress what you know uh the subject of his investigations um so there's something to that that i can appreciate uh they can you could see them as foils of each other in that way um but you just want Midge to be able to go, you know what? Fuck this guy. 
Yeah. You know, like it, in the beginning, it kind of worked. And then as you saw Jimmy Stewart's obsession go on, it's like, why are you still here with this guy? Go find somebody better for you. Mids deserves better. Yes. We all agree. Uh, also, I need to talk like that fucking dream, like nightmare sequence in the middle of the film. Uh, with the animation yeah. stuff. I That is the highlight of the film for me. That was my Millhouse, uh, uh, Thrill House moment. Yeah. Like, like I just like, I, I think about this movie in like, in segments, like those opening titles were incredible. The salt, like the, the Saul Bass credits for this movie were, were incredible. And then you had the Bernard Herman score. That was incredible. Uh, the dr- the dreamy, hazy, surrealistic moment with the redwoods I thought yeah. was really interesting. That the, almost like pulled it into a like the redwood sequence made it a different. If you cut that redwood sequence out, then it's a different film. Yeah, I think, and it's and funny. Not it's, to say it's better or worse. Like this it's, film is 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 tightly crafted and woven in a way. Not to say that it's like. A tightly crafted movie but this movie is is put together in such a way it is it is a lego set where if you remove <laughs> something and i'm not saying you know it could make the movie better it can make it worse that's not what but I'm it saying. makes but this, it this movie different. for what it is is so put together in such a way that if you remove any of these elements it feels like something's missing yeah it, well, uh, it's a strange film in that way because, like you said, you remove that redwood sequence. It was that redwood sequence was one of the highlights for me. You remove that sequence, and it changes this movie tonally in a lot of ways. That that I I agree with that interpretation versus that it feels like something's missing because one of my issues with the film is that there's too many different directions happening, and I think pairing out some of the different different tone shifts that it has would have benefited the film. Yeah. They would have tightened it, but it would be a very different film then. Yeah. I almost feel like, cause there's a version of this movie. I'm sure that someone could have made. And if it would have been a non Hitchcock director, there is like the hard boiled noir version of this movie that you yeah. could have made. Yep. And then she um, walked in with legs up to her neck. Yeah. Like, and <laughs> You know, I don't think that movie would have been. It would have might, might have been a better told story. I don't think the movie would have necessarily been better. Um, and you know, there's also the you go like, uh, and it would have been far less influential. Yeah, and then you could have gone even stranger with this film. Um, kind of like, um, do you know the filmmaker John Borman? Uh, the name sounds really familiar. Um, he's best known for doing. Um, I can't think the deliverance, but he did a movie early oh, that's on. That's on my shame list. He did a movie early on in his career called Point Blank. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, which is a, it's an American, it's a, it's a crime film, but it's a very experimental, strange crime film. <laughs> and I almost feel like there's a version of Vertigo that takes out some of those Hitchcockian, like you know, I need to explain this to the audience. And just runs with the weirdness. Um, and once again, that won't necessarily be better. I, I feel like the 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 balance that Hitchcock found, while doesn't necessarily work for everyone, is the reason this film is considered by many to be uh, a remarkable film. Is because while it doesn't necessarily work for us, the balance that he chose... I can see that being the reason why it's accessible enough, but then it's also weird enough that can open people's minds. I, I can agree with that. I think um, it took Hitchcock and, and the, I, I hate to use the word brilliance for anybody, but I have enough issues with Hitchcock that. I would say he's brilliant in his, I would say he's brilliant in his own way, but there is, I, I think I would prefer to use the word groundbreaking. Hmm. So the that what makes oh, I could get behind that. What makes Hitchcock groundbreaking is what held together a film that doesn't deserve to be held together. Like he he is in the center of this movie, holding all of the threads 
And again, I can understand why it would compel him to want to over-explain it, too. To go, see, this is why all of these things make sense at the same time. And he kind of pulls it off, but like 85% of the way. And the yeah. 15% that's missing it, is, it doesn't make it a less influential film, but I think it does make it a less... Uh, well-crafted film I, I that almost, is still influential and um, still deserves to I, I you know, would, be viewed. So I've not seen all of Hitchcock's films, but I almost feel like I want to see, and maybe this film exists, you know, if you're listening and you can recommend one for me, uh, please let me know. I almost want to see a version, I almost, not necessarily this film, I want to see this level of playfulness from Hitchcock, like, the 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 creative expression and like you said just changing film language yeah in a lot of ways in a less convoluted plot yeah yeah, yeah. because then you know you have which out of the movies i've seen of his my favorite of his being rear window you know that movie is a lot more straightforward of a uh, of a story i don't think the weirdness of this, that was in vertigo would have necessarily helped rear window i don't know I don't know. I'm I'm constantly circling of how I'm feeling about this film. Yeah, um, but like it's one of those things that like, do I think the movie? I liked the movie. Ultimately, it's the one I I can definitely see revisiting just because, if for if, if any reason, for any of you people who are out there who are who are AV nuts like myself, the 4K Blu-ray for this movie is fucking incredible. Nice. And it sounds incredible. So it's just, it's a treat to watch just, <laughs> just alone. Um, and, um, oh, sorry. But it's one of those movies that like, even if I don't know how, how much it worked on me, you know, like if someone, there's movies that I can easily recommend. And this movie, I would like, if someone's like, oh, you know, I've not seen Vertigo. Should I watch it? Hell yes, you should watch Vertigo and make your own opinion. But then there's other movies that I really responded to. Like if someone would be like, should I go watch Apocalypse Now? I don't know. <laughs> because that movie's not going to work on everyone. Yeah, and I think Apocalypse Now is a much better film than Vertigo, but I share your sentiment in that I could quicker recommend somebody watch Vertigo than I could recommend them watch Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Because I, I, I like there's there's that. movies I've seen that like I think are absolute masterpieces, and if someone's like, oh, should I watch this movie? It's like, I nah, <laughs> I don't know if you should watch this movie because I don't know if you will like it. But like Vertigo's like, if someone's like, oh, I've not seen this, should I watch it? One hundred percent, you should yeah. watch it. And you may not like it, but you should watch it. Yeah, and I think everyone will get something out of this film. So th this is going to be a weird one because even though neither of us really loved this movie, I do think it's shameless to prove. I, I think before I put my side of the stamp on that, I would want to... Uh, better define or clear more clear define in my mind exactly what we mean by shameless approved all right which well, we, we will figure that out which i think will segue into kind of my final thoughts on the film yeah let's do it of the in that for a film that was made what like 70 years ago mm -hmm. the fact that we both watched this film and I, I think it's safe to say that it intrigued us, that both of us. I, I'm still going with my obsession idea. That I think I'm obsessed with Vertigo. This film stuck with both of us, even though while we both watched it independently, we were both like, no, I have a problem with this. I have a problem with that. That wasn't so great. It stuck with us both. And I think that is the biggest... Um, uh, positive point that I could say about Vertigo is that it it does impact you and it does leave you thinking about it and that is one of the things that I really look for and love about films is when you finish watching a film that you're still thinking about it. This movie for me is the cinematic equivalent of a, of, of a well-crafted pop song in that the first time you hear it, you know, sometimes you're like, I don't really like this song. 
but then you find yourself humming it later on and you just keep singing it and you just you can't get it out of your head this song is like this movie is like the first time i heard uptown girl i'm like "Eh, this song is i don't know if i like this song and then i can't get the song out of my head (laughs) you know my my favorite film of all time the prestige um i the first time i watched the film i wouldn't have walked away saying it was one of my favorite films but it brought me back, and every time I went back to the film, I liked it more. And I think a lot of my favorite films are ones that the first time I watched it, I wouldn't have said it was one of my favorite films. Well, but it brought me back time and time again. And every time I now I, would Vertigo bring me back over and over again? I don't know. But having watched it like twice recently and once a long time ago, I do still want to watch it again. Yeah, like. My opinion already from the first viewing to the second viewing has already really changed. And I'm kind of glad we didn't do an episode based on my first viewing. Right. Because right. I don't think it would have been as impactful as my my second viewing is when that movie started to click. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think there is potential, not that I'm going to necessarily exhaust this this path, but... This could be one of those films that takes several watchings to fully be able to appreciate for what it is. I think so. All right. Well, only time can tell. So I'm thinking. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to talk about with Vertigo? I think, I'm other than to say that, like, I talked a lot about the issues that I had with the film and trying to like contextualize that. Um, but the, you mentioned the score and the kind of the color treatment, which I agree with. And also the acting was phenomenal as, as is most of, uh, again, that's a, one of the many superpowers of Hitchcock is he pulls incredible performances out of his actors. It's crazy too, because like, um, Back when I was in film school, I had a friend, and I, he's going to remain nameless, um, <laughs> who, who one time said that he struggled with, and that he, I think his opinion on this has changed uh, 100%. I can actually almost guarantee it. But he, he'd say like his issue with older movies was that the acting style was very different. And to an extent, I can get that. It, acting style, but, it is different. That's different than quality of performance and but impactfulness. I was actually quite impressed with how fresh the performances and the acting style felt in this film yes it did at times feel of its time and some of that i think was less to do with their performance and more to do just that i think at this time movies are just a little more overwritten than we are used to now yeah um but i i don't know i was really engaged in all these performances and it was also interesting to see once again i'm now i'm no james stewart expert but it was weird or refreshing to see james stewart play a not so likable character (laughs) i i actually think i've seen a decent amount of stewart's work and the thing about him is i i think he actually is cast in a lot of unlikable roles, mm-hmm. but he is so goddamn likable that you don't re- like. If you watch "It's a Wonderful Life," he is a jackass in that. He film. is, but he I is guess terrible I, I... to his kids. He's terrible to his wife. Yeah. He is terrible to the other people in that town. But he his performance is so like oh, oh gee whiz like. Well, and I think maybe that's why this movie stuck. It's so interesting because. His while his performance was great, I didn't come out on the end thinking like, oh, he, you know, his performance wasn't likable. Yeah, yeah. Where it takes a while to like see a Capra Stewart performance, it, and it it takes you a while to get through the the James Stewart charm to realize, and less so with like Mr. Well, Smith Goes to Washington, but like you kind of accidentally breeze over. Things that if any other character uh, actor had played that character, that you'd be like, no, this guy's a dick. <laughs> well, I feel like that also comes down to probably to an extent to the the worldview of Capra versus Hitchcock. Capra, right. while Absolutely. acknowledges the, the the dirty underbelly of the world, has a sense of positivity 
Yeah. And, uh, and some hope, of it... and hopefulness in his yeah. films where Hitchcock his films aren't hopeful. No. His, and he doesn't really have happy <laughs> Look at endings. the ending of Vertigo. There is no there is zero hope. Falls to her death credits. <laughs> um and and some of it is the the social perspective of the time too. Like there when I watch going back to the it's a wonderful life because that's kind of what we were using as the basis of comparison when i watch it's a wonderful life from my current perspective like i see the way that he is with his wife and kids and i'm offended by it and back then i don't think most people would i think there's like it's more like oh he's had a rough day so of course that's why he treats everybody like shit. That mm-hmm. that there's like an acceptance of that that is less acceptable now, for very good reasons because it wasn't acceptable behavior. But socially speaking, it was more accepted back then. Yeah. Well, shit. So that's I've, Vertigo. I think that was actually a pretty solid episode. Wham. <laughs> Uh, I've decided I'm going to save my re- my uh, if I even decide to do it we'll see uh, my review that I had planned for a Vinegar Syndrome title for the next one because I feel like the next okay. one is going to be even shorter because we don't have a preamble on it yep. um, uh, and I think uh, I don't really have anything else to add to Vertigo I think um, we've we've done it quite well um, I'll wrap up and then we'll we'll, we'll be done for this okay. episode that is um, a good thing to be once you wrap up yeah um so thanks everyone for listening both old both previous listeners and new listeners alike once again we are the shameless picture show you can find us uh at www.cinepunks.com that's punks with an x um which is our new home and yeah you can find us on all forms of social media except for nick he's not on any forms of social media I have left social media and I am happier for it. <laughs> and and that's fair. And I that's still fair. love you all and want to interact with everybody. But, but if but you goddamn the peace of mind that has come with getting off of social media. If you want to get a hold of Nick, get a hold of me and I'll pass the message. Send along. it along. Or write me a letter yeah. by candlelight. And then drive it to me with your ox pulled cart. Or get a P.O. box. <laughs> right. Whatever. Um <laughs> But uh as always, guys, thank you for listening and um If you're not down with that, I got two words for you. Watch movies. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening, guys. The Shameless Picture Show is recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Easton, Maryland, and is hosted and produced by Nick Richards and Michael Byers. Today's episode was edited by Michael Byers. Our opening theme music was written especially for us by The Directionals, with narration by Zach McLean. The end credit music you're enjoying at the moment was generously provided by my friends in the band 10Speed. The shameless graphic design is masterfully done by Amanda Byers. An extra special thank you to all of our Patreon supporters and to our generous sponsors. We are on Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Google Play, and Libsyn. You can find links for all these amazing people in the description below.